This is Heart of a Lion, the official podcast of UNA Athletics. Suzuki crosses the timeline with two half-court heave on the way. She hit it. Gains the trigger. Bounces left to the 15 outside to the 10. Cuts up to the 5 for the pylon. Dives. Touchdown, North Alabama. Parker triggers his second rushing score of the ball game. Susie, his shot fake, drives in. Runner on the way. Trickles in. Counted in one for Will Susie. Drive towards center. This ball's way out of here. Two-run home run, Georgia land. Welcome to our first Heart of a Lion, the official podcast of the University of North Alabama of 2023. Our guest, the 12th head football coach at the University of North Alabama, named head football coach back on December 3rd, Brent Deerman joins us. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Head football coach at the University of North Alabama. Have you had time? I know it's been a busy month for you. Have you had time to take that in? Uh, not really. Um, between like the recruiting that we'll talk about here in a second, I'm sure, and uh, assembling the staff and uh, looking over budget, trying to get an idea of where we're at with that, um, to learning new processes on campus and um, meet and greet, shaking hands, trying to move my family from South Florida to here. I mean, it's uh, it's been a whirlwind, so I don't think I've really been able to sit down and, and digest the fact that I am the head coach of North Alabama, so – I probably, this is probably the best moment that I've done that. So, uh, but it's been it's been a really fun month. I'll tell you that. December third, you're officially announced as the new head football coach at the University of North Alabama. The mid-year signing day started Wednesday, December twenty-first. So th- that first eighteen days, you got to put a staff together. You, you got to move your family here. You got to find players to come play here. You got to meet your current team. I mean, just what was that eighteen-day process stretch like? Uh, wasn't much sleep. Uh, there was a lot of energy drinks, uh, coffee, uh, but a lot of fun throughout that process. I can tell you that, you know, uh, us finding players, I kind of knew when I got hired, the, the, the guys that I was going to bring with me and, um, some of the staff already, uh, I told them, Hey, if I get this job, you're going to be there with me. So be ready to roll. Um, so a lot of guys were ready, uh, sitting on G waiting on O and, uh, we, we found players. We found guys that we thought that could help this program on and off the field. Um, and, and just had to get them here and then. And then so we had uh, one big recruiting weekend where we brought most of the guys in so we could show them the place. But besides that, I mean, we were we were running. And an uh, analogy I try to tell people is it's kind of like that duck on a pond. You want everything on top of the pond, on top of the water to look smooth, but underneath them little feet were kicking like crazy. And, and that's really how them first 18 days were. Kind of take us behind the scenes uh, when you accepted the job. You know, what were some of the first things you did? You know, we reached out to um, our kind of what I've been told was our leadership core of our team, uh, had one-on-one meetings with those guys, uh, had a meeting with our with our whole football team, give them the direction of the program, um, get kind of recruit your own. Uh, we had to figure out which guys were, were guys we can lean on and depend on, and uh, and then we, we had to see what holes we had. So we watched some tape. Uh, we looked at our depth chart. We, we tried to see where there were holes in our in our uh, current team that we need to fill some positions or fill some depth. Uh, and then we had to uh, start putting a recruiting board up on, uh, on the wall so we could see that then. Um, so that was a, that was really the first 24 hours what we had to try, try to do real quickly. It's really a crazy process. I mean, you've got to learn a whole roster and, and find your needs that quickly. Why putting it, your coaching staff together? Anything else behind the scenes sort of once you took the job that you can share with us? You know, from, from – I, I bet that first 24 hours I probably had over 200 text messages, either congratulations or 
uh, guys in this business that would reach out and say, hey, I've got a great guy to hire uh, for you that would love for you to talk to. So um, you can't answer all the texts is what I had to tell myself. There's no way that I can answer all these. Um, they, they may just have to get upset with me today. Uh, but but got some great phone calls from Coach Malzahn calling me, congratulating me, um, being able to talk with you know Coach Taggart, uh, Coach Stocksteel uh, reaching out to me. So some of the um, the the behind the scenes was the 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 great conversations I had with some great mentors in my life, congratulating me on taking the job. One of the first things you did upon getting to Florence was you, you kind of went out, visited every local high school that, that, that you could hit up with a couple of your assistant coaches. Why was that so important to you? We wanted to make sure these, these local guys knew that we were going to take care of them. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to take a player from your school every year. And, and that's what I wanted to make sure they understood is, but I'm still going to be here, though. Um, I, I wanted them to understand, even when the years that they don't have players, um, for us, we're still going to be here at your school. And we wanted them to see that we, we support them. Uh, we are excited about a relationship that we're going to build with those guys, no matter if it's uh, us coming to their place and hanging out, them coming over here and hanging out with us. We wanted to make sure they knew that there was an open-door policy at our place for the high school coaches in, in the area, but also in the state of Alabama. Let's jump into your football background. Now, now we'll step away from you and we'll circle back to you and I here in just a little bit. You grew up in a football family. Your father, Roger Dearman, a high school coach, won two state championships at Viger High School. What was it like growing up in a football family? Uh, it was tough at times. It was really tough, you know. Um, but I, but it, everything along my, my path in my life, as we're going to talk in this podcast, I'm sure has led me up to this moment. And, you know, when, when you come out of the womb in a football family, I could probably drop veer when I was uh, seven years old. I, I knew what uh, trap and belly was. and all. I mean, my dad was an O-line coach. And, and if you think back, every O-line coach you probably know uh, has a little bit of an edge to them. They're, they're a little bit different than all the rest of the coaches on the staff. And that's why I think the O-line coach is such an uh, important hire because of my background with my, with my dad. And, but my dad was also a deacon in my church growing up. So every Sunday morning I was, I was in Sunday school. I was in, in – in, uh, children's church service and then Sunday night was 6 p.m. service uh, sometimes Monday tent revival it may have been Wednesday night youth sir I mean um, he, he raised us us boys the right way um, but but it was tough it was tough playing for him you know uh, my dad had an issue with separating dad and, and coach um, and, and at the dinner table coach would still be sitting there at the dinner table sometimes and uh, but but it, it helped me now I understand so much more why he was the way he was um and it helped me as a father, but it also helps me every day as a coach. What were some of the highlights of playing for him? You know, my senior year, we uh, my first game my senior year, we played against Jamarcus Russell. Uh, my, my fourth game of my senior year, we played against a, kid, a guy named Pat White. I was going to say kid, and I kid it now. Uh, but played against Pat White, played at West Virginia, had a phenomenal career, and um, we beat both of them. And, and uh, even now, I'll go home and uh, remind him of this story. So my first game my senior year, um, I'm going in my third year starting, playing Jamarcus, big-time deal. There's uh, who knows how many recruiters are there watching the number one quarterback in the country and then me on the other sideline. Uh, I threw two passes that night. I went one for two for eight yards. I hit a slant. I'll never forget that game. Um, but we beat him in overtime. But I'll go home. I'll say, Dad, dude, this is the biggest stage of my life. And I threw two passes. And he reminds me every time, but did you win? I said, yeah, we did win, Dad. We did. So that that was a, a great moment in, in my life playing for my dad is, is going into that big stage and, and me and him sharing a victory like that. 
Let's dive into your playing days. I know you played collegially at Bethel. What kind of player were you? Oh, I was I was a great distributor. All right, <laughs> I, I was a six foot uh, slow, uh, but but I was I was a smart player because I was a um, son of a coach. So I had as a quarterback, I had to anticipate things a little bit more. Um, you know, I didn't have just unreal arm strength. Uh, I wasn't gonna kill people with my legs. So I I had to be a, a a leader. I had to make other guys around me better. Um, so that that'd be the best way to describe my playing ability is uh, I I knew how to get the other people around me the football and and try to make them better. And then you got to play some arena football as well. Brian Neese, I call him the co-voice of the Lions, good friend of mine, broadcaster for us. One of the first things he said was, I called his games when he played for the Tennessee Valley Vipers. Uh, tell us a little bit about your time and experience in the Arena Football League. You know, we had a great great year in 2008. I got to uh, play, play for him that one season. I just finished at Bethel. Um, was was not ready to hang up the cleats or I guess the the turf shoes at this moment in time. wasn't ready to hang up playing yet. Um, so I, I chased this dream of playing in the arena leagues for a little bit, uh, and and met my wife while I was playing there. Uh, so that helped shape my 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 path in my life. Meeting her there, but uh, had a great time. Um, and then met met Brian there. Two thousand eight won the uh, arena arena cup that season. Um, right before I got into teaching, so it was it was fun time. It's fun. Uh, sport to play as a quarterback because the ball's in the air about every snap. Um, you can throw it the whole length of the field. Uh, so that, that hid my deficiencies a little bit playing in Arena League. Uh, but a, a great, great experience for sure. And you have a great Lion Legend UNA connection where Lance Ancar, I believe, was your fullback on that team. Yes, he was. And, and, and that was awesome for him because, you know, he's a, a O lineman. Yeah. So for an O lineman to get to play fullback, um, I, I think every day he was in, in heaven because. He wasn't used to getting that, that handoff. Uh, you know, every now and then you hand it off in the arena leagues. But uh, that guy protected me um, and, and love him. I keep in touch with him to this day. When I took the job, he was one of the guys who reached out to me. Um, and, and he, that guy, in my opinion, um, is should be what UNA stands for, that, that blue-collar, hardworking, punch in the mouth. And then when I think Lance Ancar, that's what I think. If you know Lance Ancar, that's definitely what, what comes to mind right there. All right, so so you wrap up playing. And I know your early coaching stops, head coach at Bethel, coached at the high school ranks as well. What helped you get your foot in the door? And did you always know you were going to be a coach? Um, I, I went to college thinking I wanted to do radiology. And I figured out uh, after that first biology class that I really was just chasing money more than anything. Uh, going into the medical field, I didn't really have a passion for it. And um, – you, you you probably could say I was trying to run from the family business. But, I mean, I, I love the impact that, that I can make on kids' lives every day um, and, and the pedestal that, that the Lord's kind of given me here. Um, so I, I knew I was probably going to end up being coached. I tried to run from it, but I knew I was going to coach. Um, so if that answered a little bit. But I was a high school coach for five years, um, loved every moment of it. Um, and, and people ask me all the time about all my different journeys because my path is a little bit different than most people. Um, not many high school guys get to, to make the jump like I did. And uh, coaching high school football taught me more than any other position I've ever been in um, because you're cutting grass on Sunday, then you're lining the, the practice fields. I'm taping ankles before practice as if I was a certified to be able to do that. Um, from uh, teaching geometry and, and, and walking the halls and doing the lunch duty. I mean, um, running study hall. So, um, high school football and being in that environment taught me more and prepared me more than any other uh, moment I had. And 
was able uh, – I was coaching a guy named Deshaun Davis at Viagra High School. Um, and my connection with the Mobile area and my connection with uh, great prospects like that is what got my foot in the door at Auburn uh, because there was, a, there was a, other, a guy on the other side of the state uh, in that cursive A that was dominating and recruiting in the state. So Coach Malzahn, when he got hired, tried to hire a couple uh, high school coaches that could help. Um, one of them was Chip Lindsey, who was a UNA uh, guy himself, uh, Del McGee, who's now at Georgia, and myself to help with, with high school kind of relations. And that got my foot in the door. And I'll always be appreciative of Coach Malzahn for doing that for me. Two two things off of that. And first off, I want to back up to your high school coaching. There's nothing like the Friday Night Lights experience. You can go to any high school, probably anywhere in America, especially in Alabama, and there's nothing like the community feeling on Friday nights. You won a state championship at Viger High School as a coach. Uh, how special was that memory for you? You know, that was my first year in coaching. And uh, I'm 23 years old. We go 15-0, and 0, win a state championship at, at um, Auburn before they started. I know at Legion Field. It was the last one at Legion Field before they started rotating them back and uh, forth between Alabama and Auburn. And um, What an amazing experience. Your first year in, get to win a state championship, get to win a, a blue map. And you said earlier my dad won too. Uh, so my first year in to be able to talk to my dad on the field after and say, man, you know, I've, I've, I've got this figured out, Dad. Uh, one year in, 15-0, and 0, we already won it all. And then I figured out the next four years that it ain't as easy as it was that first year. Um, uh, but I look back and, and the players that we had uh, got us there. It wasn't nothing that, that I did that, was, that made it uh, any more special or helped us win. We had really good football players. And, uh, you know, Jostin Fowler, who played at Alabama, was, was my tailback. And he's a 235-pound tailback. You'd watch these little little defensive backs jumping out of the way. But, man, what an awesome experience to, to be able to do that early in your career. Uh, your dad won two. You won one. Your brother won one this year at Saralanda, I believe. Do you guys compare state championship stories when you get together? Uh, we don't. We just used to rag my brother for not having one. <laughs> uh, but but now he can join the conversation. Uh, I think this year we, we told him he can actually sit at the dinner table over <laughs> over uh, Christmas break now. But, man – um just just so happy we the two of us me and my dad were just so happy to, to for him to be able to have that moment um and and I, I know this there's there's not a lot of probably coaching families that can be able to say that so we know that we're blessed to be able to, to all three of us to be able to experience that it's hard to get your foot in the door of, of college coaching and and you just shared your story of how you got there. Now, you're having success at the high school level, so probably some comfort there, some stability there. When you made that jump, was there any hesitation, or were you like, I'm embarking on this journey, I want to be a college head football coach? There was zero hesitation for me because I, I knew I, my passion was coaching. Um, and, and I was in a moment in time where I'm, I was teaching geometry, stats, and uh, I think pre-algebra maybe that, that semester. Um, and, and I'm banging my head against the wall. I'm – I, I was one of those uh, guys that I taught in order to coach. I, I didn't love teaching. I didn't love the math side of things throughout my day because I don't think the regular um, the regular person understands what a high school coach and, and that teaches class goes through. That's a very difficult job. Um, and then you got an opportunity to go to Auburn. I mean, uh, at, at at 26 years old as a as a young coach, there's no. Not many coaches in America that wouldn't jump at an opportunity like that. So I uh, was excited when that moment came, and I was just waiting on my wife to give me the thumbs up, and uh, she gave me the thumbs up pretty quickly. So, 
it, it started a whirlwind journey for you that's ultimately led you to UNA. And let's, let's kind of go through that path. Your stops, how did they prepare you? Who were the people along the way that kind of mentored you? You know, I spent two years at Auburn. Um, the Probably the first year I was at Auburn is probably one of the most memorable seasons in college football when um, we, we played Georgia, fourth and 15, uh, tip pass, uh, Miracle and Jordan Hare. Um, uh, two weeks later, we got the uh, kick six play. So over a two-week time period that, that probably two of the greatest plays in college football history. I need to interject something real quick because a vibe I'm getting is your first year at places, state championship at Viger, <laughs> the magical season at Auburn, first year big things happen. Well, uh, I, I've never looked at it that way, but uh, my first year at Bethel, we went 10-0, uh, and 0, won a conference championship. There you go. Year, so uh, uh, we're not going to speak. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not going to jinx it here. It's like talking about a no-hitter. Um, but but amazing two years at Auburn, um, and and that opened the door for me to to go be a offense coordinator at the college level, and I wanted to make a name for myself. Um, you know, it wasn't easy to leave Auburn because you're I mean you're at an SEC school, but but I wasn't making a name for myself. I was building a relationship there, but I wanted to to put my fingerprint on something. So I uh, took the um, offense coordinator job at Arkansas Tech. I uh, worked for a guy that a lot of people around this place probably remember the name with Raymond Monica, uh, who was the defense coordinator for Coach Wallace for a long time here in the 90s. Um, learned so much there from him. Uh, had a great three-year run where I think we averaged over 36 points a game. Um, was, was was blessed of my time being there and um, was was happy, to be honest with you. We, me, and my, me and my wife were we liked Russellville, Arkansas. We, we were at the Wonder Boys. If anyone knows about good D2 football and the, the the mascot names that can be at some of these schools. Um, but my alma mater called. Um, Bethel calls, and, and they were looking for a new head coach. And um, not many moments in life you can go back and be be the head coach at your alma mater. So um, I, I felt called to go back there and um, had a really good season. Took a took a 3-7 and seven team to a 10-0 and 0, uh, conference champion and lost uh, in overtime in the playoffs. And um, another situation where – me and my wife were, were happy there and um, didn't see that we were going anywhere, just bought a house, and um, then we get just get a phone call from Les Miles. And, and what we were doing, I guess, at Bethel caught some people's attention, caught some eyes, and um, they, they gave me a life-changing opportunity. And in and, um, and, and my young family's life, um, we, we decided that that life-changing opportunity was, was worth going after. And uh, took a chance, felt like the Lord opened the door and um, took an off-the-field job there. Um, and and uh, kind of uh, – it was tough right off the bat because I was so hands-on. Um, and I prayed. And, and six games in, did not expect this to happen at all, but six games in, got promoted OC. And uh, a little bit different. Like I said, my journey's a lot different than most people you've probably ever heard of. And takeover is – as offense coordinator, and my first game is against the Texas Longhorns in Austin, in Austin, Texas. So I went from uh, game planning against Reinhardt or University of the Cumberlands or all these people to playing against Texas just in one season. So man, what a what a, a huge change it's been in in my year there. Spent two years there, and it was tough times. Uh, th- those two years really uh, tested me. We knew that it was going to be tough. We knew we took over a roster that kind of needed to be. Uh, revamped and uh, what I loved about coach Miles is he wanted to build it the right way uh, it's, it's kind of what we want to do here is we want to build it the right way and and 
Um, it was right before the transfer portal, so we were still living on high school kids. Um, and, and we thought we signed some good high school kids. And anybody that, that uh, watched any Kansas football this year, you know, they, they go they – first six-win team, first bowl game in, in over a decade. Well, and to watch that, that team and you see a lot of the players that we recruited are the impact players there, you know, they're starting quarterback. Um, I went out and sp spent a lot of time with in Los Angeles and, and develop a relationship with him and recruit him there. So um, help build the foundation, in my opinion, for what they're doing now there. Um, and then my, my I felt called to come back closer to home to the south, and, and that's what led the move then up to Middle Tennessee. Um, and I got blessed by the Lord again that three weeks after I left, the whole situation happened at Kansas with Les Miles came out, and that whole staff ended up getting let go. So uh, I felt like the Lord kind of took care of me in that situation. So I came to Middle Tennessee, um, loved my time there, and, and got to go to a bowl game, uh, kind of revamped a, an offense and a team there where um, got to spend a, a week in the Bahamas for a bowl game. That's a pretty cool experience, Can't too. beat that. Um, um, enjoyed it, and and – then got the, uh, a call to, to go down to South Florida, FAU. Um, got, you know, Middle Tennessee was kind of getting left behind in the conference realignment deal, and uh, FAU was moving up to the American Conference and got an opportunity to live in South Florida. Uh, we just felt like it was a, a, a good move for our moment in time, for where we were at and protect ourselves. And uh, so we made that jump. And what, what it really taught me over the last five years of my life is – we, I had the most fun in my life the year I was at Bethel. Uh, it, the level didn't matter. It was it was surround yourself with good people. Uh, there's some freedom in being the head football coach and making decisions and uh, impacting the football team. And my last four years and the last three stops, I was I felt like I was just chasing a dream. I was chasing something that 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 may not have been the best for me. And while I was there, I, I just said, you know what, if if the North Alabama job comes open. If, if 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 I can get an opportunity to be head football coach back closer to home, that that's what I want to do. I'm, I want to plant my, my roots in the ground. I want my family to be planted and stop moving them, um, get them to go to the same school and the same school system. And then it happened, and, and then I started pursuing it um, and got the opportunity to come here, and we are unbelievably happy about this. So that's kind of my, my journey in a, a three-minute nutshell there. We're excited that, that it brought you here. And your press conference was great. Now I want to circle back to some of the things that you talked about in your introductory press conference, the things that drew you to UNA. How important was that rich tradition for you? Oh, it's, it's huge. You know you, you know what a place can be. Um, you know, think back to the, those 90s. And, and, you know, I've got the uh, a, a bunch of things up in my office right now that, that reminds me every day of those years, you know, um, picture of Ronald McKinnon that got blown up at the White House, uh, the, the trophies. The, uh, there, there's, there's so much tradition at this place, uh, which, which tells you how much people support this place because of the tradition. Um, so that was big time for me, big time for a lot of my staff of realizing that you're going to get support uh, and you can win here. Uh, when you take a job, you want to know can you win. And, and I, I definitely think you can win here. And it, and it goes back to the tradition here. With the tradition, your Twitter presence as well gets me excited. I see a lot of mentions of the Purple Swarm uh, get, getting it back. I mean, how important is it for you to kind of keep that tradition connection? Well, i tell you what. I'm an offensive guy, and, and, and I have to swallow my pride and know that 
uh, offense is is good and great, especially in, the, in this new age of football, of how you have to score a lot of points. Uh, but defense wins championships, and and I was raised on that philosophy of uh, you got to have a great offensive line coach with, uh, uh, because who my father is. I know you got to have a great offensive line coach, but then you got to stop people. And and if your defense can stop people, you got a chance in any game that you're in. And that's what they did in the '90s around here. Is is they had a, a nasty get after you defense. They got labeled the Purple Swarm, and uh, we we kind of embodied that and embraced it. And we said, you know, we we need to get that back. We need to get that mentality of of playing that hard nose, punch in the mouth, Purple Swarm defense back around here. I've had a lot of ask about the old helmet, and uh, we're we're. We'll see. We're, we're gonna. We've embraced the old uh, helmet, but we'll see how that goes. Something to look forward to for the fall. Now, with your state connections, your time in the state, what was your perception of UNA from the outside looking in? Um, you know, just exactly what I was saying about the tradition. I mean, everybody from South Alabama. I mean, we knew that that North Alabama was going to put good football on the field. You you knew that that um, when you followed them in the stat line, when you when you came to watch a game, you knew that they were going to be a tough team. Every every weekend, um, yeah, they were expected to win. Um, you knew that they weren't going to give up a lot of points. So um, it was a well-respected uh, program by the high school coaches in the state. I want to jump into your, your coaching philosophy for just a second. And growing up in a football family, I found a great AL.com article written by Ben Thomas back in 2019 when your uh, father retired. And he had a quote in there from your dad. And he said, one thing I've learned over the years is you've got to love those kids. That's helped me more than anything. If they know you love them, they will bust their behinds to play for you. Is that something you, you try to carry over in, into your philosophy and programs as well? You know, one of the biggest things that, that we met as a staff multiple times, and I, I hope that, that people see out of our program is that we're going to love our players. Um, I think the more you love them, um, the harder they're going to work for you. You know, a uh, big, big quote of mine in, in, in my coaching philosophy is they follow the, the leader first. They follow his vision second. And if, if we just throw a bunch of quotes up on the walls, if we just throw a bunch of demands at them, a bunch of standards at them, and we don't love them, then none of that stuff's going to matter. So we're going to love our players. We're going to uh, take care of our players. We're here to serve our players. And, and we know that the more that we love and serve and care for them, the more we're going to get out of them. All right, let's talk about this coaching staff you've assembled. And over the next couple of weeks on this podcast, we're going to hear from every single head coach. Nine new coaches coming in, Caleb Carbine staying as the offensive line coach, run game coordinator. What were you looking for as you assembled this group? You know, we I, energy. Energy was the top thing. I, I think um, we've got to sow seeds into our players of, of being passionate about the game of football, but also the game of life, having tons of energy and juice. Um, so you see a lot of young young guys on staff. And, and the other thing we try to do is, is make a splash with, with some, some names that people would know in this state um, that, that's going to help out in recruiting. So if I had to say two big things that we look for, it was energetic people energetic coaches, uh, but also some some recognizable names is going to help us in recruiting. I know it's kind of tough for coaches as, as you're moving, you're relocating. I see a lot of coaches with their closets in the back of their, their trucks and cars with, with the, the rods running across the back. But also, is there some benefit to this time where it's just kind of you guys right now as you build that staff chemistry? It is. You know, be able to spend the, uh, the, the break, you know, a lot of the campus shuts down for – that, that three-week period over the Christmas break. But 
a lot of times coaches don't we don't we don't always take that full we're, we're probably take the week and a half as a break and um so we're able to to really lock ourselves in a room up here and, and not be disturbed for for that time period you don't you don't have hr meetings you don't have compliance meetings you don't have all these things going on so you really get a lot of time to spend together um for bonding for uh unity to get everybody on the same page so it's been a really good uh really good month of spending time with those guys and now you guys get the players back on campus i know you've had your team meetings with them we'll start in the weight room i know you guys are doing some mat room stuff spring ball will open up in a couple of weeks what can you tease us about what this program is going to start to look like you know we'll start tuesday morning um right after martin luther king day uh we're going to get back to some old school mat drills as, as me and you both know uh and 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 I, I had a team meeting with the guys yesterday. I said, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. We're, we're always going to be honest with you. We're trying to break you. That That's the reality of the situation. We're seeing who um, – how are you going to handle adversity? And, uh, you know, a big, big formula that's out there in the world now is E plus R equals O. Uh, events plus your reaction lead to the outcome. We can't control the events. And I told the guys, you can't control what we throw at you. You can't control the mat drills. You can't control the bag drills. You can't control – what we're going to do, but you can control your reaction. Uh, and, and we're going to react to adverse situations in a good way. So uh, hopefully that by the time we get to September, October, those tough times that come in a football game, we've already put our players through tough times in these, these off-season workouts so that we do respond the right way. Uh, so that's what this off-season is about, is training our guys how to respond. It, you know, we'd like to get bigger, faster, stronger. That's going to happen. That's going to come. But it's also the little things behind getting bigger, faster, stronger that we've got to do a good job of preparing our guys for adverse situations. It's a big off season, and we're certainly excited for it. And now the fun starts. You get to start coaching the guys. You'll have guys arrive this summer, the guys you sign, and you start practice early August. Just how eager are you to kind of get to that first ball game, which I guess will be towards the, the end of August? I tell you what, I'm, we haven't thought about it one time. What we're trying to do right now is we're excited for Tuesday. And, and keeping our mindset on, on one day at a time, getting better one day. And, and the fall will come. Um, now, I am excited for spring ball. I am excited to get our hands on these guys and uh, work with them in person. You know, the things you don't look forward to is the uh, turning in your POs. Uh, you don't look forward to responding to all the emails. And that's a lot of what I've been doing up to this point in time. So I'm really excited. Got to see the guys move in yesterday. Um, you know, we're going to get to that Tuesday morning first first workout. That's the things you get fired up, wake up to do every day. So we're fired up to be here. We're fired up you're here as well, Coach. We certainly appreciate you giving us the time. I know this will be the first of many conversations. Royal Lions, Coach, thank you. Absolutely, Royal Lions.